ba ba da ba ba da ba it's Book, the movie. Hi, guys. Welcome to episode four of Book, the movie. Yay! Yay! Episode four. So we're going to keep going on our train, our Harry Potter train. This is part three. We're talking about Prisoner of Azkaban. Can I just add that, like... Harry Potter train. Can we just call this the Hogwarts Express? Yes! <laughs> Welcome to the Hogwarts Express, everyone! Goddamn! Alright, so here with me today is my beautiful, wonderful, huffily puffily friend, Jasmine. That's me. Hi, Jasmine. Hi, Maria. Let's see. When did your love for Harry Potter start? I was... Oh, I actually know exactly when it started. I was in third grade i was living in ojai and i remember having uh obviously the harry potter books books had been out and Uh i like you know heard about them but they never really drew my attention something Mm -hmm. something about the cover art i was like man you know whatever yep and then the first preview for sorcerer's stone came out and i was like oh wow and i remember before the movie came out and i went i went and i read the books i read i read all the books that were out at that Mm -hmm. time which was i don't know why i I don't know what year that was, but it was a while ago. <laughs> it was before the it's, fifth book came it's out. It's too long. Yeah. <laughs> I think there were three book, three or four books out of yeah. time, you know. Um, and that's when it started. And I've just, I've loved Harry Potter ever Literally since. ever since then. Can you, can you remember, imagine the fact that we were, we grew up in a time when Harry Potter books were still coming out. Yeah. Where we had to wait for a Harry Potter yes. book to come out. Because mm-hmm. I feel like kids now, which is great because they're still reading Harry Potter, they can just buy all mm-hmm. seven plus the illustrated version plus the annotated version. Yep. And we had to like literally wait like up to more than maybe a year and a half for each book to come out. Yeah. Like, I- I specifically remember for Order of the Phoenix going to a Barnes and Noble midnight like release party for that book. Sandra and I did the exact same thing when uh, I think Half-Blood Prince happened Mm -hmm. and then when Deathly Hollows happened. Like we waited. Yeah. And we were like so freaking excited. And like just the idea that kids now can just literally go to like a Barnes and Noble or go to an Amazon and buy them all bundled together. Like it makes me happy for them. But at the same time, I'm like, I had to wait. Yeah. I did my time. <laughs> 12 years 12 of it. 12 years of it. And ask about <laughs> I, I remember the last book came out. I, and it's so crazy to think of this. I was a freshman in high school. I thought, yeah. it, I thought it came out much later. But the last book came out as a freshman in high school. And I was supposed to do some summer reading. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't done it yet. And I went to work and my book had come in the mail. Yeah. And my mom took the book from me. <laughs> and she was like, you're not allowed to read this until you finish that book you're supposed to read for God school. Damn. I read Lord of the Flies in a day. <laughs> didn't retain anything. Didn't like the book anyway. I read it and I was like, give me my book, mother. God, God damn you. Yeah. <laughs> God damn you. <laughs> okay. So before we start talking about Prisoner of Azkaban, I have to add in an addendum to last week's episode because we were talking about Chamber of Secrets. And I, as a horrible person, forgot to mention Moaning Myrtle. I don't, I just, I don't know how it happened. I stopped recording. It hit me in the face. And I felt so bad. Because who, oh my god, who doesn't love Moaning Myrtle? She's literally. Harry. (laughs) Harry. That is such a good answer. <laughs> God damn it. He's the only one. She, we deserved more of her. Yeah. She was in almost every book. 
We she de- was. We deserved more moaning Myrtle. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. We deserved more of her. Her name is Myrtle Elizabeth Warren. That's her full name. Myrtle Elizabeth Warren. Died June 13th, 1943. She was a muggle-born. She is played by Shirley Henderson, who, if anybody is like a Doctor Who fan, she's been in a couple Doctor Who episodes. Uh, she's also like five feet tall, and she's like literally pushing like 56 right now i think you're kidding no like how old was she when she played moaning myrtle that yeah she looked like she was a child she looked like a child in the movie yeah. yes exactly i think when she did it they clocked her age she was like 42 or something like that what the french toast yeah literally i i don't understand it that's why whatever water she's drinking i need it because <laughs> I mean, goddamn. Yeah. She was great. But we needed more Moaning Myrtle. She was in almost every single one of the books. And I feel like she's in... I think she's only in two of the Yeah, movies. she's in Chamber of Secrets, and she's in Goblet of Fire. Fire. Mm-hmm. And then that's literally it. She's trying to peek at Harry's jump. Yeah. that's that. See, I deserve Thirsty Myrtle. <laughs> that's, I deserve that. Not only that, but in Half-Blood Prince, not to get ahead of ourselves, she has like an uber crush on Draco. That's right. She thirsts over Draco. She's like in love, like she, like, like Malfoy essentially replaces Harry for her. Exactly, because he's being all moody in the bathrooms, Mm -hmm. and so she's there too, and so they talk, and they share their moodiness. Like, we needed more Moaning Myrtle. Mm -hmm. We deserved that in the movies. Which is so, which I feel like is so ironic that she was a muggle-born, and her and Draco had this little connection, considering his... You know, mm-hmm. history. His, yeah, his yeah, his prejudices. Yes, exactly. But I guess it doesn't matter because she was dead. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, maybe that's what it is. It's like one of those things where, like, you can tell a complete stranger more than you can tell a friend because yeah. you know that they're not gonna like say anything. Yeah, maybe it was that. Maybe who knows? Okay, so first things first. Opening scene of the movie of Prisoner of Azkaban. Harry's doing magic at home instead of studying the book. In the book, he's studying. He's mm-hmm. just like he's, yeah. He's doing like an essay, I think, on like witch burning or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Right? He's doing. He's he's reading. Yeah, he he was reading about witch yes. burning about the the trials and whatnot. But in the movie, he's doing the Lumos Maxima spell. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the thing. I love that scene. It's such a good scene. But it, I and I said it last week for episode of Chamber of Secrets. It's a huge plot hole. This whole doing magic outside of school thing. I yes, thank you. I was immediately what I every time I watched the movie. Every single time, I'm like, you finna get expelled. Exactly, and it's and it's crazy because literally in in one of the later scenes after Harry blows up his aunt, yes. he pulls out his wand on his uncle in the movie. He pulls out his his wand on his uncle, mm-hmm. and his and his and his uncle's like, you're not allowed to do magic outside of school. And Harry's like, I don't care. And we're like, clearly, clearly you don't. Yeah, because, because you just were performing spells in your room. Dude. Exactly. And so I was telling, I w- I was trying to figure out. Is it a plot hole or is it a thing where they're trying to be cheeky? Like where the director or maybe like the writer of the script was like, oh, look, magic. Like and trying to give us like a little taste of magic because I feel like cool, good for you. But us. Yeah. Weirdo nerd people who devoured the books. Yeah. My brain immediately was like plot hole. Yeah. They're not allowed to do magic. Yeah. In Chamber of Secrets, they changed it so that when... Harry comes out of Nocturne Alley and his glasses are broken. Hermione fixes them. Yeah. In the book, it's Mr. Weasley because they can't do magic outside of school. Yeah. So Hermione would not have been able to do it. Yeah. The only thing that I the only thing that I can think of with Hermione being able to get away with it in the movie in 
Chamber of Secrets is because as far as I know, you know, they have the trace on the young wizards, Mm -hmm. which essentially lets, from what I understood from the books, is that it lets the ministry know when magic is done around the young wizards. So maybe it was like, oh, it's an alley full of people, of of witches and wizards. Yeah. So she got away with it because she kind of slipped under the radar. They were like, oh, we don't think anything of it because maybe there's somebody around her doing magic. Because it's it's Diagon Alley. There's a thousand people there that are, we were trying to figure out like, maybe it's like a thing where, so in this, in this book, in Prisoner of Azkaban, when he does blow up his aunt, Fudge tells him, we don't send people to Azkaban for blowing up their aunt. Yeah. So maybe it's a thing where, like, the ministry sees, like, little things being done. But because, and because they're young, they, like, don't really care. Mm-hmm. But then, like, where's where does the line get drawn? You know what I mean? Like, at what age do you stop ignoring the little bits of magic? Yeah. You know what I mean? The way that I would feel about it is that the, um ministry has okay so the ministry has a trace on the kids they can see the magic happening you know around them yeah and obviously if they're in a wizarding family maybe they chop maybe it's like a it's like one of those things like you don't do magic outside of school or else they'll get expelled yeah but like really you have to do something extreme like i don't know like blow something up or perform magic in front of muggles yeah but like i can't imagine that you have a bunch of preteens you know, at home with their siblings and things yeah. don't get a little bit heated sometimes over the summer. Yes, exactly. You know? So it's like, maybe it's a thing where it's like, they're just kids. And so the ministry sees it happening, but they're just like, it's kids, like whatever. Yeah. But every time I see the scene, I'm like, mm, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> you're not supposed to do it, but you're doing it anyway. Yeah. So with Hermione getting away with it, that's like one thing. Cause, but Harry, he's at home. He yes. doesn't have he doesn't have magical siblings. Exactly. He's in a muggle household. So so to me, I just feel like that was I kind of lean more towards plot hole. You know, like right? they, because literally, like a couple scenes later, uh, Vernon's like, "You can't do magic outside of school." So yep. like they acknowledge that in the movie. Yep. And yet, just just five minutes ago, he was doing magic in his room under the blankets. Exactly. You know. So I'm like plot hole. Yeah. It's a plot hole. Yeah. I wish they hadn't done it, but they did it. Thank you for the cute scene because the scene, the opening scene, is iconic. Yeah. Still, it's a plot hole. Yeah. So another thing, kind of jumping a little bit forward. So after Harry blows up his aunt, he runs away from the house. Mm-hmm. He sees the the Grim. Yeah. What is later going to be identified as the Grim, the Death yeah. Omen, the Black Dog. Mm-hmm. You learn that it's serious, mm-hmm. right? The Black oh, Dog. It's very serious. It's very very serious <laughs> with an e. Oh. Can you imagine growing up with that name and being told that joke every day? <laughs> God damn, I'd hate my Are you parents. serious? Are you serious? And be like, I hate you. This is serious. This is serious, and he's very serious. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, poor guy. Maybe that's um, why he was such a, like, like so, like, not serious. You know what I'm maybe. saying? Maybe. <laughs> maybe he was like, I'm rebelling against my name. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, so it's identified as the Grim Lighter. Mm-hmm. In the book... Harry is constantly seeing the Grim. Yes. He's always seeing the Grim. Yeah. So he doesn't realize that he's seeing the Grim until he's in divination class yes. and he realizes what that is. Because mm-hmm. he just keeps seeing a black dog everywhere. He yeah. sees it when he's leaving his aunt and uncle's house. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of sees this black dog everywhere. Yeah. He's not aware of what it is until he realizes someone tells him that it's the Grim in the divination class. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, it's a death woman. I keep seeing it everywhere, but it's actually Sirius Black. I would have liked to have had more of that in the movie because in the book, it's constant. Yeah, he sees them, I want to say, 
at like four or five times yes. before he actually meets Sirius himself. Exactly. You know? Yes, and then like not more. And oh, then six all the times. all the dominoes kind of start falling in his head about yeah. like the times that he's seen mm-hmm. them. So in the movie, he physically sees the dog. Yeah. One time, that's the beginning of the movie, right before the night, the, bus. The night bus shows mm-hmm. up, and then he sees the cloud formation yeah. of the dog in the sky when yeah. he's playing Quidditch. Yeah. Which, and then that's yeah. about it. Yeah. 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 I don't think they see him again. I don't think they see him again. Mm-hmm. And then in divination class, he they tell him like, you've seen the grim, like all dramatic or whatever. And so he realizes what it is. But it's like he sees it in the beginning before the night bus shows up and then the divination scene happens. And then a couple minutes after that, the Quidditch scene happens. The scenes are too far apart Mm -hmm. for Harry to make the connection, I think. Like, it was so ominous, right? The Mm -hmm. fact that he had the grim and he was like following him. Exactly. But what? I mean, it's not really. You've seen it once. Yeah. You've seen the black dog one time. And then you saw some clouds, maybe. Exactly. Like, it's not it's not happening a, enough times to warrant the dramatic reaction that it got in the movie. Yeah. If they had added it in a couple more times, mm-hmm. I would have totally understood the drama behind it. Yeah. But it's not... It doesn't warrant that much of a dramatic reaction. Yeah. And also, I feel like them, the fact that he didn't see the grim... Or the quote the the dog. I'm gonna say yeah, the dog. The because, dog. Because when he sees it in the movie in the alleyway, that's that's the that's the dog. But when he sees it in the tea leaves and in the clouds, I think like, oh, yes. that's the grim. And I kind of like made that little change there. Mm-hmm. But really, the entire time is just serious. Exactly. And I think that it kind of sucks that they took him seeing serious all around out of the out of the movie because it kind of yep. takes away the fact that Sirius was like going out of his way to like catch glimpses of his yes, godson. Yes, absolutely. Like that yeah. You it know? takes away from the fact that Sirius escaped Azkaban to see Harry. Yeah. To be with Harry to protect Harry. You yeah. took all of that out. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. you take away like the the tender moments mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like an ominous thing. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. I wish that they had added more of those in there because it would have explained the grim more. Mm-hmm. It would have at least made more sense towards like the reaction that it got. Mm-hmm. And then it would have been more heartwarming when they were finally connected because then Harry would have been able to be like, oh, this dog that I've been seeing everywhere, it's been him. Yeah. He's been trying to like keep an eye on me. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's been trying to catch it. Because I know that he shows up at the... Uh, Harry sees him. So the scene in the movie where he sees the dog in the clouds, mm-hmm. he actually in the books he actually saw saw the dog yes. at the Quidditch match. Yes. And Sirius later explains that he came out to the Quidditch match to see if he could fly as well as his dad could. Exactly. You know, and so like that was like kind of like a. It's you know, heartwarming. It's nice. It's yeah. a nice scene. But then you cut it out, so it's like yeah. Eh, I I get the fact that like maybe we're crunched on time mm-hmm. but chamber of sequence was like an almost like 2 hour and something minute movie mm-hmm. i think prisoner of azkaban is is like almost 2 hours exact like mm-hmm. the first two movies were longer and then they progressively start to get a little bit shorter mm-hmm. you could have added it in yeah it's not it, yeah. we would have been okay with it we would have sat through it you yeah. know what i mean like we would have been fine yeah i have i have some I, w- I remember coming out of the theater after watching Prisoner of Azkaban and just being, like, furious because I was like, they changed 
so many things. Yes. They took stuff out. They put stuff in that wasn't necessary. Yep. And I remember that was when they switched directors also. Yes. And I just remember being just angry at this new director. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. What, what are you doing here? Yeah. Sir? Yeah. You've never read the books. It was you? Chris Chris Columbus. Oh, yeah. And then it was Alfonso Cuaron. Yeah. And he did part three. And I could I could be completely wrong, but I feel like I remember hearing that he hadn't actually read the book before directing yes. and I was like yeah we can tell we can tell and that was like to me that's like even like now as an adult looking back on it that's so frustrating because I feel like that does such a disservice to, yes. the, to the fan base if it you're does. gonna direct the movie at least read the book yes. that's the bare minimum that you exactly can do. you don't have to yeah. I've read a lot of things about directors doing book-to-movie adaptations where they almost purposefully go out of their way not to read the book mm-hmm. because they want to put their own interpretation on things. And it's like, that's great if it's an original script. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. This, this source material already exists. Mm-hmm. You you have an outline of all the things you have to hit. Mm-hmm. You The fact that you're taking artistic liberties over something that already exists. Yeah. Over a piece of art that's already out there. Exactly. Like, this is not the time to take your artistic liberty over things. Like, yeah. get, reel it back in. Yeah. Or, or, or at the very least, watch it and, and then, and then you can make a more informed decision on where you can take your artistic exactly. liberties. Yes. You know, because yes. if you're not going to, I feel like if you're a director and you're deliberately going out of the way to not read the book because you want to put your own spit on it, mm-hmm. to me, that's it's a little bit selfish. It is. Because now you're like, oh, like, I want to do this the way that I want to do it. And it's not really about the, the fans. You exactly. Know? It's about you now. Yeah. And it's like, no, dude, Prisoner, I, and I, I, I say it a lot. Everybody says that Goblet of Fire is the turning point, right? Mm -hmm. Goblet Mm -hmm. of Fire is the turning point because after Goblet of Fire, (laughs) things start to snowball. Mm -hmm. I always see it as Prisoner of Azkaban. Me too. Prisoner of Azkaban is such an important book to the overall thematic arc that is Harry Potter because it's Wormtail. Mm-hmm. Without Wormtail escaping and yes. getting to Voldemort mm-hmm. in Prisoner of Azkaban, Goblet of Fire wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Like, nothing would have happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you need Peter Pettigrew, and Prisoner of Azkaban gives you Peter Pettigrew. Mm-hmm. This movie in particular should have been paid so much more attention. Yeah. It really should have. Mm-hmm. You can't just take your artistic liberty. Like, yeah. you gotta do things. Yeah. And I think it's ridiculous to take an artistic liberty like that with a franchise like Harry Potter. Yes. Like, that was not yeah. a smart thing to do. This isn't like it's some, like, oh, like, some people are familiar. No, this is like a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge worldwide fan base. People yep. love Harry Potter. Exactly. This is not the franchise to take movies no, with. It's definitely not. This is not like it's not like a new budding thing. Like it's been established. The fans are here. Yeah. Just do your job. Yeah. I Just really, do your job. I genuinely wish that Chris Columbus had been able to direct all the movies because yeah. I feel like he did such a fantastic job on yes. the first two. He did such a good job with the book to movie translation. I completely I was agree. Like, that was great. There's like yeah. Yeah. And if I'm right, I think that his daughter plays Susan Bones. Oh, really? Yeah. And huh. I think she's in part one. She's either in part one or part two. Susan Bones is Christopher Columbus's, it's his daughter, oh, I believe. I yeah. Didn't know that. So cute little fun fact. Uh huh. Um, okay. So the movie has maybe one or two scenes where Snape lets slip that he and James knew each other. Like, it, it doesn't have that many scenes, mm-hmm. um, whereas the book, it's like a major argument between Harry and Snape, like, throughout the almost the entire thing. This book, I think, is the one where Harry starts to realize that Snape has a past with his dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
it's more than just the one comet. So, like, when Harry's walking around with the Marauder's Map, Mm -hmm. Snape makes that that comment about the fact that, like, he was always, like, clomping about. Yeah, like, strutting around the castle. And and Harry's like, my dad didn't strut. Exactly. (laughs) Sandra was like, how would he know? Yeah. (laughs) That's what I think every single time I, like, whisper to myself, I'm like, you know. How would you know? (laughs) But um, the book, I think, does a little bit more for that. Mm -hmm. The book adds more of those arguments in the book between Harry and Snape. Yeah. That at least one more argument should have been added in Mm -hmm. because after this is when Harry starts to realize that not only did Snape and his dad knew each other, but they hated each other. Yeah. And it becomes a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Add at least one more argument in there Mm -hmm. because the James Snape relationship is big throughout the whole thing of the book. Yeah. And if you don't add it in to the right moments, when you add it in later on, it doesn't make sense. It falls flat. Yeah. Or even, or even like the James, uh, loop, sorry, not James, Snape Lupin. Yes. Whatever. Because in the book, and I guess it's hard to translate, you know, like the scathing looks into yes. into film, maybe, yeah. I guess, you know. Yeah. Um it's a lot of nonverbal stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, between that lets you know that Snape does not like Lupin. Yes. It's a lot of like Harry observing this stuff yes. and noticing it himself that mm-hmm. Snape doesn't like Lupin, you know. But it's not really yeah, like you said, they don't really touch on it very no. much in the movie. But it and needs so, to be touched on. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. It needs to be touched on. Yeah. It needs <laughs> it needs to touch it. But yeah, because in it and it's true the book has a lot of like side eye mm-hmm. there's a lot of like suspicious snape running around all over the place yeah um and then the another thing the book when Sirius black supposedly first enters the castle mm-hmm. snape has that whole conversation with dumbledore about the fact that lupin and Sirius used to be friends mm-hmm. and that he personally thinks that Lupin is helping Sirius get into the castle and Dumbledore's like, no, don't worry about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. put more of that in there. Yeah. Don't, like, elaborate on it. Add it in. Yeah. Because think- it, it makes it more obvious that this group of people yeah. knew each other and they don't like each other and he's taking it out on the kid. Like, elaborate. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I feel like in the, in the, from, you know, um, Prisoner uh, Prisoner of Azkaban and onwards, there's, I feel like the directors, the way that they made the movies, okay, like, with Chris Columbus, he made the movie so that everybody could, like, watch and understand, but the directors, they're like, well, we can kind of skip some of the stuff because people read the books and they know already. Yeah. And they're not taking into account the people that are going to see the, see the films that haven't read the books. Exactly. You know, there and are I think that's important. Pe- there are certain people who will watch the movie and they'll be like, if this is a great movie, I'll give the book a shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you're going into the movies under the assumption that everyone has read the book, there are going to be certain things that people will not understand. Mm -hmm. We will get the tiny nuances. We will get the things that fall flat because we've read the book. So we understand where there are gaping holes. Yeah. Other people won't. Yeah. Like you need to add stuff like that in, which Mm -hmm. actually brings me to my next point, the Marauders. Yeah. Where are they? In most of the franchise. Yes. Yeah. Prisoner of Azkaban is the intro is the introduction to the Marauders. Yeah. Why? Because it's the map. Yeah. It's the Marauders map. Mm-hmm. So literally the Marauders are not touched on. You get the Marauders map, and then you're supposed to assume that you know exactly what that means. So like 
The map's backstory not added into the movie. Mm-hmm. Not added in at all. The no, fact, it's not, huh? nope. The fact that all the Marauders except for Lupin are unregistered on Maggie. Where is that? Mm-hmm. Where is that? You mm-hmm. know what I mean. But then you, they learn that Sirius can turn into a dog, and Harry's dad can turn into a stag, and Peter can turn into is a worm. Is, 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 not is, a worm. He's a worm. He's a worm. He's a rat. He's a rat. He's a rat. He's a worm. Same thing. Exactly. <laughs> they can all do this, mm-hmm. right? How? Yeah. How can they do this? Lupin is a werewolf. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. McGonagall can turn herself into a cat, but she's studied. She's trained. And they the books tell you, because in this specific book, it tells you with the mm-hmm. transfiguration class, turning yourself into an animal is incredibly hard. Yeah. Why is that not explained? Mm-hmm. And it's not even just that. Uh, what even is an Annie Maggie? Like, why not yeah. add that into the movie? Um, they never tell us, but they bring it up in later movies. Who is Moody, Padfoot, Prongs, and Wormtail? Yeah. Who are these people? So you learn that Peter is Wormtail because they call him Wormtail. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You, they call him Wormtail. Mm-hmm. You never hear Lupin or Sirius call each other Padfoot or, uh, or Mooney. Or Mooney. Uh-huh. You don't hear them say that. You don't hear them refer to James as Prongs. Prongs. Mm-hmm. But... Later on, in Order of the Phoenix, when Harry is being, like, uh, what's it called, tortured by Umbridge in that mm-hmm. office, and Sirius comes in to supposedly give him the potion, he goes... Padfoot's in trouble. Padfoot's in trouble. Yeah. They have Padfoot in the place where it's hidden. No one knows what that means. Yeah. Because you've not, you have not established the fact mm-hmm. that Sirius is Padfoot. Yeah. You don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. You don't say that Lupin is this person and James is this person and Sirius is this person and Peter is this person. Mm-hmm. You don't talk about the fact that they taught themselves how to transfigure so that Lupin wouldn't be by himself. Yeah. You don't... Which is which is a really big deal because, like you said, like becoming an Animagi is like extremely difficult. Yes. And that these three kids did They're this. children! Yeah, <laughs> and that they did this incredibly difficult thing. <laughs> Essentially to support their friend yes. who has an incurable illness, you know, yes. like that, like, is like, wow. Like, and, and I feel like it brings so much, gra- like, brings so much more gravity to the level of, like, betrayal yes. from Wormtail, from Wormtail to James, you yes. know, like, it's, oh, I just got goosebumps. Ab- not <laughs> explaining the importance of the Marauders, mm-hmm. not going into the, the significance, ba- yes, yeah. not going into the significance, not explaining the backstory. You don't explain the severity and the intimacy of their friendship. Mm -hmm. And so you don't get why Peter's betrayal hit so hard. Yeah. You don't get it. Yeah. You're just, you're just supposed to assume. Yeah. It kind of falls flat. And then it's that same thing that I was saying. When Harry later on calls him Padfoot, Mm -hmm. how do you know that that's his name, Harry? Who told you that? Mm -hmm. Who, Who said that to you? Yeah. What, why would that mean anything to anyone? Yeah. It wouldn't. You just said it, and us who read the book, we know who Padfoot is. Of course, yeah. But let's say you watched Order of the Phoenix, and you have not read the book. When he just spouts out, they've got Padfoot in the place that it, where it's hidden, what would that mean to you? 
Yeah. It wouldn't mean anything to you because yeah. you don't know who that is because the books, the movies have not established yeah. that. Yeah. Or maybe you. you know who it is, but you're like, why does he call him Padfoot? Exactly. Like, maybe, maybe the, you that's... can deduce that it's serious, but you, you're not going to understand why. You're not going to understand the reference. Exactly. Yeah. You're not going to get the reference. So like not putting them in, not explaining the whole bit of the Marauders, mm-hmm. huge mistake. Yeah. Huge that's mistake. a big oversight on their part. Huge oversight. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Definitely should have added it in. It would have made everything so much better. Yeah. And there are a couple of people who are still really, really hoping that we get at least a Marauders series. That would be great. Because there are people who are fighting for a Founders series. Oh. They're fighting to get the backstory of, you know, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, Gryffindor, oh, Slytherin. So yes. Can, all of them. I want them all. All of them. Exactly. But like Do both. They want they want that and they want the Marauders. Like all those dos. Bring them on. Both? Both is good. <laughs> yeah. Both is good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I think also, just real quick, is that I also think that it, like, not kind of um, assigning who was what in the Marauders, it yep. kind of um, lessens the significance of Harry's Patronus being a stag. Absolutely. You know, I think, I mean, I think you find out later on, like, yes. oh, his dad did this, blah, yes. blah, whatever. But, like, it kind of... Why? Yeah, it's yes. like it's like oh his 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 protagonist is his dad. Cool beans, awesome. But it's like no, his dad was you know a stag when he turned into an animal. I think that was his dad's patronus yes. also. Yes, you know all of this stuff. And exactly. They, yeah, it's a snowball. Yeah, it's a snowball. You don't add it in, and things start to snowball. Yeah. you know what I mean. I sorry, go ahead. No, no, go. I was gonna say that I think that also I think that just in general they kind of. They kind of tend to gloss over the anime guy in the movie in the yeah. movies because even not to like get to not to like jump ahead or whatever, but like it really bothers me that like Rita Skeeter yes. in Goblet of Fire like that was never that was never talked about because that was like a huge deal and it was also a super perfect opportunity to show off Hermione's freaking genius exactly. that she put that together and <sighs> it was like boom exactly it snowballs it yeah. snowballs you don't add it in here and then when things start happening later on you either can't add it. Or you add it and it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It, there's a lot that goes into not adding it in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And especially with the Patronus thing. The movies make such a big deal out of the Patronus charm. Yes. Why is Harry's Patronus a stag? Nobody knows. It's just like, oh, it's it, it reminds him of his dad. Why? Yeah. Why? Because if you read the books, you know. If you didn't read the books, you don't know. Yeah. It's like, yeah. and I think it also even speaks to like the connection between him and his dad, even though his dad has passed already. Exactly. Because obviously he didn't know that his dad was turned into, was an animagus, first of all. Yes. Or that he turned into a stag, but still when he cast that first Patronus charm, it was a stag that yes, forth. Yes, exactly. Forth. Without even realizing. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like I said, you don't add it in here, it starts to snowball. Yeah. And then you either can't add it in later yeah. Or you do add it in, but it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It will make sense to us, but it won't make sense to people who go to watch the movie just to watch the movie. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, it won't make sense. Also, the transfiguration classes in the book were super cool. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah. It would have shown so much more of, like, the things that McGonagall is capable of. Because mm-hmm. we all know she's capable of everything. Yeah. But, like, let her show off for a little bit. Like, yeah. let her let her do her thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I would have loved to see the transfiguration classes. Um, in the book, when Snape calls Hermione an insufferable know-it-all, Ron actually defends her, but in the movie, he agrees. I hate that. Oh, yeah. I can't stand that. So, Chamber of Secrets, we were talking about the fact that it's the beginning of Ron's character being lessened. Mm -hmm. They give a lot of Ron's lines 
in from the book to Hermione in the movies. Mm-hmm. And then later on, they kind of turn Ron into this thing. And in the books, he's not that thing. Mm-hmm. So like this scene in particular, when he calls her an insufferable know-it-all, Ron is like yelling at Snape and he's like, you asked a question. Yeah. If you wanted it answered, she had her hand up. Like yeah. she's just answering your question. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. and he goes on this huge thing. Yeah. Like, defending Hermione. And in the book, he's like, well, she's kind of right. And it's like... Yeah, he's kind of right, you know. Yeah. Ron didn't say that. Yeah. Ron is not that character. I don't know what the thing is about turning Ron into this character in the movie. Yeah, just like... This like kind of like petty. Yeah, you know. I, I mean, don't I'm not gonna say it. that he's not like kind of jealous because he does have a little jealous yes. streak in him. Yeah, but in that regard, he's very. It's not as severe in the movie. I mean, in the books, as it is in the movies, because mm-hmm. then you have that thing in like we're jumping ahead, but you have that thing in Deathly Hollows mm-hmm. when Hermione's getting tortured by Bellatrix, mm-hmm. and Ron can literally hear her dying and screaming, mm-hmm. and he's like in the dungeon underneath. And in the books, they tell you he's like scaling the walls. Yeah, you know he's what like, I mean? Like going crazy he's trying to get to Hermione. The hell out! Yeah, and in the movie, he's just like, we have to find a way to get up there, and yeah. it's like, bro, what? Yeah. Honestly, the whole, like, the romantic arc between Hermione and Ron in the movies just completely, like, it just, they kind of dropped the, obviously, like, Harry Potter's not a romantic series, there's not a whole lot of romance in it, but any opportunity with, like, romance they had between Harry and Cho, Harry and Ginny, Ron and Hermione, um, the only one that they kind of liked was, like, Ron and Lavender, sort of, but in the, in the movies, they kind of just, like, that all just kind of falls flat. Yep, they dropped the ball. Yeah, there's, like, (laughs) you can see throughout the books... This, like, you know, there's obviously something there yes. between Ron and Hermione. Yes. You can see that there's something there. Exactly. And then in the, and then in the, but in the movies, it's just kind of like, rah, rah, rah. you know, exactly. He gets jealous at the Yule Ball, mm-hmm. you know, but then whatever. And then, like, the, I have such an, I won't get like too into it, but I have such an issue with like the kiss scene between Ron and Hermione yeah. in Deathly Hallows. Yeah. Oh, in the movies. Oh, I'll save that for another time, but. It's- it's a lot, and mm-hmm. I 100% agree, mm-hmm. because the mo- the books, it's a build-up. Yeah. So when it happens, yeah. you you get it. Yeah. It clicks, you completely understand. Mm-hmm. In the movies, it's just like all of a sudden in Goblet of Fire, Ron gets jealous and nobody knows why. You know what I mean? Like, add those things in. Like, it's nice. Yeah. It's, it's nice to see. And which also brings me to my next point. Um, Prisoner of Azkaban is the start of Harry and Cho. This is where Harry tells them that he's got a crush on Cho Chang. Is that in Prisoner of Azkaban? Yeah. <laughs> he it's the beginning of the Cho, of Cho Chang. Really? I thought yes. was, I thought it was Goblet of Fire. So in Goblet of Fire, he's like going for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's yeah. going for like it. Like it's it's fully real like he's fully yes. realized that he has a crush on her. Absolutely. Yeah. He's like fully realized it. Mm-hmm. In Prisoner of Azkaban, he's like He's she's a cute girl and he starts yeah. to notice her and things like that. It's the beginning of Cho Chang. Yeah. But you don't add her in. In uh Goblet of Fire, when Harry sees her at the candy cart, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's like staring at her, right? Because it's literally the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. It's yeah. He, you can tell that he's got a crush on this girl. Had you not read the books, you would have been like, Who's this girl? Yeah. It's Cho Chang. Yeah. It's yeah. Cho Chang. Mm-hmm. She's in Prisoner of Azkaban. You shouldn't have cut her out of Prisoner of Azkaban. You should have at least plopped her in a little bit mm-hmm. so that when it happened in Goblet of Fire, we would have already established the fact that Harry's got a crush on Cho. 
Yeah. I will let the Cho Chang, Cho, Cho Chang thing fl- slide in Prisoner of Azkaban just because I'm like, I guess I can kind of see why that was mm-hmm. kind of, you know, because really her, bi- her big part is more is, in Goblet of Fire. Yes. So I'll let it slide. Yeah. You know, I will let it slide. <laughs> just this once. Yeah. Though. Okay. Just this but, once. But yeah, no, there's a lot of stuff that like, I, like I said, there's just a lot of stuff in the movie that was like left out. Or, exactly. Or changed. And I yes. just like, ugh, Another thing. So like the, the Weasleys, they win their trip to Egypt. Yeah. All the Weasleys go. Mm-hmm. Would have loved to have seen that. Also, maybe this is just me. Why do we keep cutting out the hottest of the Weasley brothers out of the movies? Okay? We never see Bill or Charlie no, in any of the movies. you don't. You see Bill in parts six and seven. Oh, that's And then right. seven part two. But even then, like, it's not what Bill is supposed to look like. No offense, you know, against that, that actor. Yeah. Um, who, fun fact, is actually the son of the actor who plays Mad-Eye Moody. Oh, hey. Yes, the Gleasons. <laughs> um, they're supposed to be these, like, tall, kind of, like, bulky, like, rugged-looking dudes mm-hmm. because one works with dragons. Yeah. Get, I thought, when I was reading that book, I don't know what it was about me. Maybe I was a certain age, but I was like, damn, they sound hot. <laughs> I want to meet these Weasley brothers. Yeah. I want to yeah. meet the rugged Weasley brothers. I want to meet the one who trains dragons. Yeah. <laughs> they keep cutting them out of the movies. Yeah. I wanted the hot Weasleys. Yeah. Why can't I have the hot Weasleys? <laughs> but instead, I got a lot of Percy and I didn't need all that. Yeah. All right. I didn't need all of the Percy. I wanted the, the hot brothers and then you gave me Bill and he wasn't the Bill that I wanted. Yeah. So take him back. <laughs> I don't like it. No offense to that actor, because he's great, but still. I was like, you're not what I wanted. Get out of my face. Um, Okay, uh, so Harry fails at the Patronus Charms a lot when he's learning how to cast it. Mm -hmm. He fails a lot, uh, which makes sense, because he's an average wizard. Yeah. And he's had a really shitty life. Mm -hmm. So I would have liked for the movie to have shown that because in the movie it like immediately happens after like two tries. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He does it once, fails, and then he does it again, and then it's great, and all of a sudden he's a he's a genius about it. Here's the thing. Harry, and we don't talk about it a lot, but Harry's had a horrible life. Yes. Okay. It's yes. been awful. Mm-hmm. The Dursleys are emotionally abusive people. They are the goddamn worst. Yeah, I feel like that even goes beyond emotionally abusive. Like, it's like, they don't, I don't think that they really, like, I think Vernon has probably, like, put his hands on him, but they don't, like, yeah. they, don't, they don't, like, beat him. I think they kind of do, but not really. But, like, they also, like, I don't know, what do you call it, like, when you starve somebody? Like, is that hey, still physical abuse? That's exactly, but that's exactly what, it, what me and Sandra were talking about last episode. Okay, so... They can't physically hit him mm-hmm. because they're scared of Dumbledore. But they st- anymore, yeah. But they starve him. Mm-hmm. They starve him. They grab him by the hair. They yeah. grab him by the back of the neck. Yeah. They it's- they give him Dudley's old clothes, which are like he describes it literally that it feels like elephant skin because mm-hmm. of how baggy it is. And then they go a step further and they dye it all gray, mm-hmm. so that not only do your clothes not fit, but now they're just like this mush of gray color yeah. to kind of to completely take away any identity. Like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they're they 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 keep him in a cramped little space for a majority of his life. Yeah, for the first eleven years of his life, he lived in the cupboard under exactly. the stairs. Exactly. Yeah. Had a horrible life. Yeah. It's been terrible. Yeah. Okay. So the idea that he has enough joy to look back on 
to produce a Patronus after two tries, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And he's also not a very good wizard. He's got he's, he's pretty average. He's an average wizard. It's yeah. it it's just who he is. He's a C student. Exactly. He's not, he's not Hermione. And throughout the series, he doesn't get any smarter. <laughs> Okay, he just he doesn't. doesn't. He doesn't. The only reason he gets into that advanced potions class is because they lowered because the standard. Because he cheated too. Exactly. And because and because Slughorn was like, mm, Harry Potter, let me collect you. Exactly. Okay, you've had a lot of good luck going on, my guy. Yeah. Like, but you touched hmm. on something too that I wanted to that I that actually I wanted to address is that like like you said, Harry's had a horrible life Mm -hmm. the Dursleys were like abusive and horrible and he had to sleep in a cupboard under the stairs and they starved him and all this all this crap that happened to him and like going to Hogwarts was like finding out that he was a wizard and getting into and going to Hogwarts was like wow that was the best thing yes like this is not like an under like that was the best thing to ever happen to him in his life and no understatement no understatement yeah like a hundred percent his life got like a thousand percent better absolutely and in the movies when they're talking when harry's trying to do the patronus charm with lupin and um the first two tries he fails and the third time he succeeds and like the first two times he's trying to think of like what the first time he wrote a broomstick Mm -hmm. blah blah and in the movies when he finally when when he finally produces his little silver mist Mm -hmm. okay he's talking to lupin afterwards and lupin's like oh like what were you thinking of and harry's like well it wasn't really a memory he was like i was just kind of thinking of my parents and them like talking to me and blah blah whatever which is kind of like which i get is supposed to like kind of like tug at people's hearts yes oh this kid is dead parents but really in the book what he he thought about to produce his his little his little meek patronus was finding out that he got accepted into hogwarts and they don't and it's like you guys come on like Yes. This, that was a huge, this, like, he, this kid was literally just battered and abused. <laughs> literally. And I'm surprised, based on, like, what I've learned from Fantastic Beasts, I'm surprised that he wasn't, like, an obscurist. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And there there are a lot of people who, who ask that question is, why didn't he become one? Mm-hmm. And the answer that, that we've been given is the fact that if Harry had not gone to Hogwarts, if he had stayed mm-hmm. with the Dursleys, he 100% would have been. Got it. But it's the idea that he got to go to Hogwarts and he got to do that. Yeah. And his life changed so dramatically that he didn't turn into an obscurist because if he had stayed with the, with the, yeah, that he would have. Yeah. So, and that, that makes complete sense to exactly what you're saying is the fact that he has so much joy in this memory of becoming a wizard and knowing that he can escape this horrible life that it gave him enough juice to, to produce, produce a Patronus. A Patronus. Yeah. And then obviously the second one, the, the big one, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Is when he talks about the fact that it's like a made up memory of his parents talking mm-hmm. to him and that's how he was able to do it. But the the first one, mm-hmm. the one where he was really able to do it is this moment where he realizes that he became, he's a wizard and he yeah. can escape this tragic life. Like mm-hmm. not adding that in. It takes away from the joy mm-hmm. that this kid felt from yeah. finally leaving. Yeah, and the it significance al- of exactly. it. Exactly. And it also kind of dulls away, like, how bad the Dursleys actually treated him. Yeah. Because, like, the Dursleys don't show up a lot mm-hmm. afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. They're in a couple of scenes in the beginning of maybe a couple movies. Mm-hmm. But then you literally don't see them again until he's finally saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. No, like, we need to address the fact that these are terrible, terrible people. Yeah. And at the very end... 
Petunia tries to do this whole thing where it's like, you lost a, you lost a mom, but I lost a sister. And it's like, mm, go to hell. Like, mm. you know, what's funny though, mm. is I was, I was actually thinking about that today as I was, um, frantically listening, re-listening to the, <laughs> uh, Prisoner of Azkaban audiobook. Um, when Aunt Marge, when, you know, Aunt Marge comes to visit and she's talking all this trash about, um, you know, Harry's parents and yep. the Potters. And the entire time I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I know that Petunia like was like, like kind of like shut herself off and was like yeah. super jealous of Lily. But like, does that not get under her skin listening to her sister-in-law like talk about her sister that way? Like I know that she her was super- dead sister. Yeah. Like I know that she was super jealous of her. Yes. But like. Is was the jealousy so strong that she stopped loving her sister? Exactly. And I've wondered that multiple times throughout the series. And the only answer I can come up with is that like maybe the pain of losing her sister was so hard that it was easier for her to hang on to like her anger and her jealousy yeah. towards her sister instead of actually feeling her grief. Yeah. You know? And then that might be exactly what it is because that's a really big point. Uh, Marge in the movie is only there for like a day but in the book she's there for, for a like week. a week. Mm-hmm. And she's doing nothing but talk shit. Yeah. That's all she's she doing is her, talking shit. She spends her entire week there doing everything she can to like get at yes. Harry. Like putting him down. Talking yeah. about his parents. Just really and they, and they kind of like, like gloss over the fact that Harry held it together for Mm -hmm. a week and he was and he like he held it together for a week and he was like "Mm," you know whatever and that um he made that deal with vernon yeah you know that like okay if he's if he's good while while marge is there vernon will sign his hogsmeade uh yeah form and it just so harry held it together for a week but in the movie is like oh she was there overnight or she was there at dinner and all of a sudden harry's flipping out yeah you know and it does make sense like you're literally sitting there and you're listening to your sister-in-law talk all this crap about your dead sister mm-hmm. and you're just sitting there. Mm-hmm. You're just you're yeah. just sitting there like you're just like nodding along. Yeah, yeah and it yeah. does make sense maybe she there's so much that she couldn't say to her sister and then her sister dies and mm-hmm. she can't say it. Yeah. So you're either going to confront the grief and mm-hmm. you're going to confront all of the shit that you did to your sister mm-hmm. or you can reject it and pretend like it's not happening and you can live in this little and you, like, world blame, of, and blame her for it for some, in some exactly yeah. because it's easier to deal with with that yeah. like you create a false reality because the reality of actual things is, yeah it's too hard yeah it's easier to paint her as a freak and as a weirdo exactly. and as a you know whatever than this to yeah. realize my sister was a good person and she was good to me and now she and she was yeah. killed and I was horrible to exactly. her. And yeah. now there's nothing I can do about it. Speaking of Hogsmeade, this is like a little tiny one, but it kind of bothered me. So Sirius signs Harry's Hogsmeade letter in the end. Yes. He signs it. Yes. Which not in the movie. No. And I wish that they had added it because they don't cut Hogsmeade out. They go to Hogsmeade. Throughout the movies. Yeah. How, Harry? Yeah. How does Harry go to Hogsmeade, everybody? Yeah. He's not wearing the cloak. Yeah. He's just walking in like Harry Potter does. Yeah. Who let him do it? Yeah. Because the book, it's a little bit sad and it's kind of pathetic. I'm not going to lie to you because he is asking everybody under the sun. He asked Cornelius Fudge. He asked Fudge to sign his Hogsmeade letter. Yeah. Yes. Vernon. Obviously, it's not going to happen. He asks Fudge. Fudge. He asks McGonagall. Yes. Who, did he ask somebody else? I, I, don't I thought else. that he tried to ask Lupin, but I can't remember if that's true or not. It's a little bit sad mm-hmm. to see this kid 
walk around with a permission slip that no one will sign yeah. because he doesn't have any parents. Yeah. And then the book. And because the people who care for him don't want, don't, don't give care. two shits. Yeah. Exactly. Like they, it's not even, it's not even so much that they, that they don't care about him, but they're actively working against his happiness. Exactly. Yeah. They know that it's going to make him happy, so they're not going to do it. Yeah. And it's such, and, and if you really take a moment and think about it, like he's 13. Yeah. In this, in this book yeah. in this movie he looks older in the movie obviously but he's 13 yeah, years he's old a he, kid. <laughs> he just entered the teen years like exactly. and it's like oh it's heartbreaking i'm gonna cry it's <laughs> so sad it's a little pathetic mm-hmm. to just see this little kid walk around with yeah. the permission slip because like, that's what he is he's a little kid he's a kid yeah. and it's it sucks yeah we've all been the kid whose mom forgot to sign the permission slip and so you couldn't go to the field trip I don't know. Um, my okay. Mom, my, my mom was like, just forge my signature, so. My mom has the <laughs> weirdest signature. It happened to me twice when I was like, oh, in, no. I kid you not, once in the fourth grade and once in like the sixth grade. And they take you to this little class with the other students who weren't supposed to go either. And it's mm-hmm. just a class of like mishmash children whose parents forgot to sign the permission slip and they give you like worksheets to do Aww. while everybody else is at US Borax or somewhere fun and okay. you're just kind of doing <laughs> times tables. I am dying because you said US Borax and I remember <laughs> that being literally the absolute most boring field trip in the history of I would know, Jasmine. <laughs> Look, Maria, let me tell you, okay, what you did was better, okay? (laughs) Okay, everyone's been that kid, and it sucks, Yes, and he's running around asking all these people, and nobody will sign his goddamn permission slip, but at the the very end, Sirius signs it, and yay, you can go to Hogsmeade. They never say that. Mm-hmm. But then Harry's just at Hogsmeade later. So did yeah. we just say fuck it to the permission slip or like what's going on? Like <laughs> it's really it's the tiniest little detail, but every time I watch I think it's Half Blood Prince, I'm like, who let Harry go to Hogsmeade? <laughs> who he, said this was okay? Who said this was okay? He ain't got a permission slip. Yeah, because last year y'all were like, rules are rules. Exactly. But this year it's not. But this year, like, we're just going to let him go places. Yeah. Okay. So we just <laughs> said, don't worry about it. Yeah. All right. Then. Side note. While we're talking about Sirius signing his permission slip, the fact that Sirius was a fugitive and every and like you know everybody was looking for him up until Order of the Phoenix when he was proven mm-hmm. innocent after being murdered. Didn't who's who has these permission slips? Exactly. Did nobody look at? The, I mean, I guess McGonagall was in on it. So yeah. Whatever, and and Dumbledore obviously was in on it. Yeah. So I guess they're the only ones who see it. I'm just like nobody else. Yeah. At some point, looked at the permission slips and saw Harry's, and it said serious. It Black literally says serious Black. And it's like, oh, boom! Solid proof right here that you're connected to a convicted murderer. <laughs> you know what? Murderer. I always thought of that too because like. What if at one point somebody told Dumbledore was like, yo, can you get this out of my room? Or like, can you go get this out of my office? And there's like the one like first year potions teacher who's like, yeah, I got you. Goes up to Dumbledore's office, sees the permission slip is like serious black. And he's like, isn't that the dude that literally killed like a bunch of people? And everyone's (laughs) like, just don't talk about it. Yeah. I imagine the (laughs) image that popped into my head just now was of like a, like some second year doing paperwork from a yeah. And just like she's like, here, just sort this, you know, sort yeah. this for me, help or you know, like a like a TA yeah. essentially. Alphabetize this. Yeah, and yeah. they're and they're going through and they and they come across Harry's permission slip. They're like, hey, this is Harry Potter. And then at the bottom, serious black, and then being like <laughs> This poor little eleven year old kid is like, what do I do with this information? You know, imagine Who how- do I call? 
it happens to be the son of a ministry official. Exactly. <laughs> and he's like, um, so Harry's permission slip says Sirius Black. Boom, Harry's arrested. Yeah. The series ends. The series is over. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> Done. No more books. <laughs> Why? Because, come on, man. Oh, God. At least keep it in, like, a safe or something. Don't just leave it out, okay? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um. Okay, so speaking of Sirius, Sirius sends Harry that firebolt. Yes. Like, literally in the middle of the book? Yes! Oh, my God! This was yeah. a big thing that I was thinking of. That was, oh, this was a big point today. Yes. To, for me, that I was thinking, I was like, I have a lot to say about <laughs> this. Oh, my gosh. So, he doesn't get the, he doesn't get the firebolt in the movie until the end the of the movie. End. Yeah. And he sends it with, like, like with like uh, one of Buckbeak's feathers, I think, yes. or whatever. Okay. Because we love the drama. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, Harry got this in the middle of the book. Yeah, literally. And, and, like, it takes out so, like... There are so many things like uh, like around this particular storyline that like are important. I feel like you yes. know, like first of all, Harry's like despairing over the loss of his faithful Nimbus two thousand, yeah. and then he has a firebolt, which he's been coveting for the entire time that he was yep. staying at the Leaky Cauldron over the summer. Yeah, he, he was just going in there and staring at it with yep. his mouth open and drooling. That's all he would do is yeah. like sneak out because he wasn't allowed to go out. Mm-hmm. He would go out and he would like. Face press up against like the window, exactly fogging up the window with a little nose sticking on it. He's like, Ooh, fireball, yeah, like, so, yeah, so there's that. And then you know, his Nimbus is, is, is you know, destroyed by the goddamn Whomping Willow, okay. <laughs> which I mean, it's not the Whomping Willow's fault, it was just doing what it does. Exactly. It okay. whomps, yeah, it, it whomps, so there's that and like the devastation because you know there was this Nimbus that was like you know whatever and then the like the elation that he feels at like oh my gosh somebody sent me a a, a um a fireball yeah and it kind of and it's a great way to like like shine a light on the recklessness of Harry and Ron when they're excited about stuff yeah. and then and then adversely like contrast it with. Hermione having to be like the responsible yes. one as per usual because exactly. Harry and Ron were ready to just like dive into it. Yes. Like Harry has this information that there's a that there's a a, a supposed murderer on the yes. loose and he's got his eye on Harry. He's coming for Harry yes. and there's already been an attempt already for this yes. man to get into the common room we assume to get at Harry and yet he gets his fireball from some mysterious yeah, person. Yeah, just rando shows up. Yeah, and he's just like, let's hop on and do it. And Ron's yeah. like, yeah! You know? And, and then, Hermione's like, you don't wait. think it's even a little bit suspicious that there is somebody out there trying to kill you and you all of a sudden get a mysterious package. And Harry and Ron are like, no! <laughs> like, Hermione, you're being crazy. Exactly. Yeah. But and then Hermione turns it in and like the and then the boys get mad at her. Yeah. But it's like this really like I feel like it's a, it was a really great chance for them to show that like dang like Hermione really cares about him. Yeah. And it kind of would have brought it back to like that to the first um movie mm-hmm. when Dumbledore's like you know it takes courage to stand up to e- to your enemies but even more courage to stand up to your friends. Yeah. Like Hermione freaking did that. Yes. Okay. She was like y'all are idiots. Yes. But you're my idiot, and I'm going to take care of you. Exactly. As she always does. And I think that also is another really big plot point about Hermione, because they are getting older, mm-hmm. right? So they're getting a little bit more reckless, mm-hmm. and Hermione has to be that person. Yeah, the voice of reason. You don't think that a girl as high-strung as Hermione Granger would want to let loose at some point in time, mm-hmm. but she can't. 
because she adopted two idiots. <laughs> and if she lets them go do things, they will die. Yes. So she's got to be this person. She's not allowed to let her hair down because Tweedledee and Tweedledum mm-hmm. are going to go and they're going to blow themselves up. Yeah. Or and they're so, going to set something on fire exactly, or get eaten by a werewolf. Exactly. So who has to be that person? Hermione. So yeah, I'm going to turn in your broom mm-hmm. because if it blows up and you die, I don't want that on me. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, let's figure this out. Somebody has to be the adult in this situation. Exactly. And that that part always made me laugh so hard because it's just like, it's a mysterious package, Harry. First of all, who has the kind of money to buy you this expensive ass broom. It's not a student, so it has to be an adult. Yeah. I doubt a teacher would have bought this for you, which means that somebody is not only taking watching you mm-hmm. and knows that your broom broke. Knows that you need a broom, yeah. Exactly. But someone wealthy. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Who would have done that? They play with it a little bit about the fact that Harry thinks that, like, oh, McGonagall sent it to me. Yeah. And it's like, really, Harry? Yeah. McGonagall think, sent it to yeah. you? Yeah. Although I think that she isn't she. Was it her or Dumbledore? I think it was her who got him the Nimbus 2000 in the first movie. I believe so. Yeah. But I always brought that to the fact that she wanted to win in, like, yeah. Quidditch. No, yeah, so yeah. So she was like, I will just do whatever I can. But yeah, it's but, just there's like, also, but it's also alluded to in the movie. Like, there's, like, like there's an exchange, like, there's, a like, a, a an exchange of glances between Harry yes. and McGonagall that's, like, like a con- confirmation. Mm-hmm. She's like, I bought She's that like, for She's like, I got this for there's you. No, he's not exchanging glances with anybody else after no! the fire vault, you know? There's no exchanging of glances. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> "Who's who sent this to me? I don't care. Let's hop on it. And yeah. she's like, don't be dumb. What if it's cursed? What if there's a tracker? What if there's a something? Mm-hmm. Can we just slow down for like two seconds? And these guys are like, you never let us have any fun. And it's like, <laughs> you're going to die one of these days. Yeah. And it's not going to be on me. Yeah. Because I'm trying to keep you alive. Yeah. She yeah. adopted two idiots. She really, dead. really unbelievably did. That yeah. poor, poor girl. Yeah. <laughs> like, poor Hermione. Yeah. I don't Which, get it. Also, like, kind of a change of sub- subject a little bit. Um... I was thinking also like talking about Hermione and the and the important her importance and all that blah blah whatever. Um I feel like they really downplayed like the significance of Crookshanks. Yes. In this movie. Mm-hmm. Like and the fact that Crookshanks was like working with Sirius yeah. in order to get to Pettigrew. Yep. You know, like yep. they don't like like Crookshanks is after that rat. Yep. Like from the jump, Crookshanks yep. like something's up with this dude. Yep. And then Harry sees Crookshanks with Sirius and his dog form mm-hmm. outside of his window that one night. They're like walking along together, like mm-hmm. chatting it up, I yes. guess, you know. Literally. And that's not ever, you know, and then at yeah, the end it's of the never addressed. Yeah, and then at the end of the book at the end of the book, after after Ron spends the, his entire year hating Crookshanks and he gets that he gets pigwidgeon and yeah. he's like Oh, like, yeah, but who's never in, who's, <laughs> who's never mentioned never in the movies? Mentioned in the yeah, movies. Little, little spaz. Oh. Okay, but he gets pig, and he's like, "Here, Crookshanks, like, what do you think? Does he smell like he's safe? He's not a grown man, right? Yeah, he's not a forty-five-year-old man who's been hiding in my <laughs> bed, right? Who's literally been sleeping next to me in rat form, right? Yeah, that's that's a really really good point because there's a lot of thing around like, is Crookshanks magical? Mm-hmm. What or is he just a super smart cat? I mean, he has to be magical. He's got to have something. It's never fully, like, it's never said mm-hmm. that he has some sort of a magical thing going on. You know what yeah. I mean? It's never fully said, 
but I feel like it's it's alluded to a little bit because of the fact that like cats are smart. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you've ever owned a cat before, like they're they're smart animals. Yeah, they're a-holes, but they're, they're smart. Exactly. They're complete douches. Yeah. But they are so smart. Yeah. It takes more than just cat smart for Crookshanks to realize mm-hmm. that this dog is a person mm-hmm. and for the her for her him, sorry, to actively work in tandem with him to kill this rat yeah. who is also a man. Like yeah. because that is another huge thing is the fact that Ron is under the impression that Crookshanks kills Scabbers. Yeah. And it's a huge fight between yes. him and Hermione. It's ginormous. Yeah. And Harry remembers like he talks about the fact that like he's never had to deal with like two friends not getting along because mm-hmm. he's like where do I fit into that? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's a huge thing about the fact that Crookshanks actively went out and tried to kill Scabbers. Yeah. Not just because he's a rat, but because of the fact that it, he was working, he with, was working with, you know what I mean? Yeah. He was working with Sirius. He knew something was up. Yeah. So not adding that in is like, why not? Mm-hmm. Also, that cat is so cute. I would have given that cat more screen time. Give the cat <laughs> more screen time. Yeah. Yeah. And it also, like, it brings me back a little bit to uh, Mrs. Norris. So in the books, Filch's cat, Mrs. Norris. Yeah. They also kind of allude a little bit to the Mrs. Norris having some sort of a something. Yeah. Because Harry swears to God that Mrs. Norris can see through the invisibility cloak. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's never fully said yeah. whether or not Mrs. Norris can do that. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, do magical animals, are they just companions or are they magical themselves? Like, is there a reason why you have to buy them a dog? If I own a dog and can I take my dog from the human world, from the muggle world, and bring him to Hogwarts, and will that work? Or is there a specific thing about buying animals in Diagon Alley or in the wizarding world? Like, what yeah. is it? So, I so they actually touched on, they didn't touch on this, like, like explicitly in the book, uh-huh. but, Ron, but the store that Hermione gets Crookshanks from in the book, uh-huh. they went in there... And Ron was talking to the shopkeeper because he's like, yo, Scabbers is looking kind of funky. Yeah. And like, you know, what's up? And she has a cage of rats there. Uh-huh. And they're skipping and doing cartwheels mm-hmm. and, and doing it. Like, they're very clearly magical. Yeah. And like, she even at some point is like, oh, well, if you want to buy a new rat. Because like all the rats have mm-hmm. like stopped and they were like looking. Yeah. And then like, she's like, oh, well, if you want to buy a new rat. And all of a sudden one of them keeps like, starts skipping. Yeah. Like, pick me. You yeah. know? And so I feel like if you're buying an animal, so there has to be like, I'm and then, like, so there's that, and then there's the owls, and, like, they're mm-hmm. intelligent, and then, and, of of course, Crookshanks and Mrs. Norris, you know, there has yeah. to be, if a you're thing. buying, if you're buying a, an animal from a magical uh, shop yeah, that sells magical, that sells, you know, um, pets or whatever to magical people, you have to assume that they're probably, you know, not your average yeah. rat dog there's something happening with this yeah like this this particular breed or strain or because i guess the hour maybe the oh excuse me um like yeah there's there's like magic in their blood somehow they may not be like they may not possess like power oh no because i remember um in azkaban the shopkeeper explicitly asks ron oh what are his powers yeah what is what powers does he have what can he do yeah absolutely 
And it's like, uh, you know. He literally can't do anything yeah. other than live very long. Because he's not a rat. Exactly. Not a real one. I mean, he's, he's not a, rat, a real but rat, not. but he's a rat. Yeah. He's a rat <laughs> in the mafia sense. Yeah. That motherfucker. Okay. Um, so another, just like another really quick point is just, okay. So Harry and Sirius. The relationship, it just, I feel like in the, in the movie, because mm-hmm. you don't get, you don't get a lot of Sirius Black the man yeah. in the movie. Mm-hmm. You don't get a lot of it. <clears throat> um, and in the movie, I think it just kind of makes it look like Harry's so desperate to have a relative, a family member, that he immediately latches onto Sirius. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, he, it's immediate. It's like an yeah. immediate thing. Yeah. Right? Which I feel is kind of true yeah yeah i really i i wanted more mm-hmm. serious as a person mm-hmm. in the movie because in the book it's like this huge thing you know mm-hmm. what i mean where where they're talking about like their lives you know like what life together could look like and like all of these hopes and expectations and all this different stuff and i just i i wanted more maybe more just gary oldman you know yeah. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I would have liked to see more of that because in the movie, it's it just, it happens so fast. Mm-hmm. In the movie, it happens so unbelievably fast. You learn that it's serious. You learn oh, the fact serious. that, yeah, you, you learn <laughs> that serious is serious. You learn that it's, that he, he's not the one who betrayed them. You learn that it's Wormtail. And then you learn a little bit of the backstory, but you don't learn all of it. And mm-hmm. then Harry's talks to Sirius about the fact that, like, now that like he's they can go to the they can go to to the ministry they can prove that he's that he's you know innocent because yeah. look they have wormtail and he's he's alive mm-hmm. but then lupin changes and then it turns into this huge thing and it's like yeah i you don't get enough of serious mm-hmm. you don't get enough of him in the movie yeah like you do in the book yeah and I I like the fact that the movie makes it look like they just bonded so quickly. Mm-hmm. But I would have loved to have seen more character development Sirius's way. Because I feel like one of the reasons why after he he died, it hits us so hard because we got to live with Book Sirius. Yeah. He was everyone's godfather. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got yeah. to live with him. Mm-hmm. Movie Sirius, you get maybe like 15 you don't get mi- that much of him no, yeah you throughout, get, throughout the whole series no you get 15 minutes total screen time mm-hmm. maybe that mm-hmm. in prisoner of azkaban mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and then you get a little bit of him in goblet of fire when in he shows fire. up in the fire mm-hmm. and then in part five he dies yeah it just happens so fast but in Pr- prisoner of azkaban introduces you to this whole character mm-hmm. this whole person and when he tells harry like Oh, I don't, as long as you know that I'm innocent, Mm -hmm. I can live with that. Mm -hmm. I remember reading that and I'm like, no, (laughs) absolutely not. Go tell someone. (laughs) What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) You have five witnesses. Yeah. You've got Lupin, Ron, Hermione, and you've got Snape. Yeah. And you've got Harry. You've got five witnesses to this huge thing about the fact that Peter Pettigrew is alive. Yeah. That but, Sirius Black is not the person, like... 
Go but, tell someone. <laughs> but to be fair, to be to play devil's advocate here, so those five people, three of them are children. True. One of them is a werewolf. True. We already know, like, there's a stigma around yes. them. Okay, so nobody's yes. gonna believe those those four. And then Snape, I don't remember in the book, but but in the movie, he never actually. Sees oh no, you're right. You're right, Peter. Yeah, he gets he knocked come, out. Yeah. yeah, he does. Yeah. 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 Damn, you're right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm I just, right. I'm like, go tell someone. Go live happily. Go, go live with. I your, know. I'm like, go say something to someone. Right? It just mm-hmm. infuriated me so hard reading it in the book, and then in the movie, he's just like, don't worry. Like, as long as you know that I'm innocent, blah blah. And I'm like, I wanted more serious. Mm-hmm. Serious Black is the focal point of Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. Bring, give me more of him in the movie. Yeah. So that by the time that he dies in, yeah, in Order of the Phoenix, I understand the severity of his death. Yeah. Because if you underplay his role in Prisoner of Azkaban, by the time that he dies in Order of the Phoenix, if you have not read the book, you will not understand like the severity. Yeah. What his death means. Mm-hmm. What does it mean? For Lupin to be the last marauder. Mm-hmm. What does it mean for Harry to have no more actual family? Yeah. What does it mean for him to have found family and then have it taken away from him again yeah. by Voldemort again? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what, it's, a, it's a huge thing. Like, you have, to, you have to add these little things in so that by the time that he dies... You understand what his death means. Mm-hmm. You get why it's so tragic. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't read the books and you're just watching the movie, it's sad, but it's not as sad as it would have yeah, been. Yeah, it doesn't have the same impact. Exactly. It doesn't. And that's and that's my big thing is the impact of it. Mm-hmm. And it's a snowball. If you don't add it into this one, it's not going to make sense into the other ones. Mm-hmm. You've got to add it in. Yeah. You've got to add it in. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't land with the same weight. Exactly. It doesn't. Yeah. It does not. So I'm like, oh, that's one of the things that like I really wish that they had done. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, God damn, like he's such an important character. And that's what I said. Everybody talks about the fact that, oh, Goblet of Fire is the changing point. Prisoner of Azkaban is the changing point. Yeah. It's that is the changing point. Yeah. Not just for Peter Pettigrew's sake, but because of the fact that you get serious black. Mm-hmm. And you get, you know, without Sirius Black, you don't get the Order of the Phoenix. You know yeah. what I mean? You don't get all of these different things. Yeah. Like, it wasn't for, if, if Sirius wasn't around, then Harry wouldn't have been lured into the, you know, Hall of Prophecies. By, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not that even was, just like, okay, yeah, he gets lured in and Sirius dies, but he gets lured in. He never hears the prophecy. Mm-hmm. The prophecy is the whole thing. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so much. And I'm like, if you don't add it in, it's not going to, it's like you said, it doesn't land with as much weight. Yeah. And it's like... It's it's little things that I think because they're so nuanced in the book, mm-hmm. they're like we don't have to add them into the movie, but it's like you do. Yeah. You you have to. You can you kind of do actually. It's going <laughs> to actually it, you do. Exactly. It's going to add a little bit more to your screen time, mm-hmm. but fans will appreciate it later. Yeah. It, they just will. Yeah. Like come on. Yeah. I did want to say too um and this is again kind of off topic but since but you mentioned loop and changing. I had such an issue with the werewolf in the movie. Yeah. I had such an issue with this freaking... With the way he looked, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm like, what, does he have mange? Yeah. I don't understand. He's Why like he scraggly and like thin. Yeah. And like yeah. bald. And mm-hmm. he looks like he looks like a freaking starving dog. Yeah. That, uh, like a rabid, one. like, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. just like gross and like, you know. Yep. Yeah. And like you said, and, 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 um, 
Yeah. Like mangy. Yeah. I'm like, come on. But I also, I'm very particular about what I like my werewolves to look like. <laughs> I'm very particular about it. Like I can safely, like you've seen Van Helsing, right? With yes. Jackman. Those yes. werewolves, love them. Yeah. Love those werewolves. That is such an underrated movie. Uh, it really is. That is such an underrated movie. I feel like movie. it is. It really, really is. Yeah. And you know what? Um, I will say, so Alfonso Cuaron, he, the the transformation, mm-hmm. there's the scene where he sees the full moon and then it yeah. shoots back and it's his eye. Yes. He specifically shot that scene so that it looked like an old school horror movie. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that yeah. so much. But also, because that, that pole scene was shot so beautifully... To have it then evolve into a mangy werewolf yeah. was a little anticlimactic. Yeah, yeah. And it's also because that's not what the werewolves in the movie look and the book look like. Yeah. That's not how they're described. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I think it kind of... A they, they, even, they even... They actually describe it in the Prisoner of Azkaban when Snape sets the essay. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, how do you tell a werewolf from a regular wolf? Yes. They have a longer muzzle. This, there's nothing about like, oh, they don't have hair. They're kind of humanoid. You know, yeah. they got a weird shaped head. They look a little bit like Gollum. Yes. You know? Yes. And that's... Schmeagol. Sorry, I always confuse yeah. like what you're supposed to call him. Yes. <laughs> you can... I mean, it's fine. Um. So, yeah. So... No, I, I totally get it. Yeah. I, I do wish. And everyone's always like, oh, it's because only certain things can be done. You have Harry Potter budget. Things can get done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We things saw can what get happened. Done. We saw what happened with Avengers Endgame and how long that took. Exactly. Okay, could have... Mm. Things could get done. You got Harry Potter money. You could have got it done. Yeah. Okay. Don't make any excuses. You just didn't want to do it. You took your artistic liberties and that's fine, but you got it wrong. So just admit it. Okay. (laughs) So just admit you were wrong and redo it. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll actually, if they ever did a Harry Potter remake, I don't think I'd watch it. I'd be like, fuck you guys. Yeah. (laughs) Straight up. I thought, I thought about like, I thought about it and. On the one hand, it's like, I would love to see, like, the Harry Potter movies remade from three forward. I would love to see them remade and done, like, a little bit better. Maybe by somebody who's actually yeah. read the books and, like, who's, like, a fan of Harry Potter. Yeah. And, like, I would love to see that done. But also, at the same time, I don't know if I could watch a movie without Dan Rupert. I don't think so. I could and, either. And Emma. Emma. I don't yeah. think I could either. It, they, I really, really they're the golden, they, they are the golden trio. Yeah, absolutely. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of casting, because mm-hmm. of that... Did your image of Sirius Black from the book do justice to Sirius Black in the movie? Because here's the thing. I always took, no no offense against Gary Oldman, because he actually wasn't that old when he made the movie. So, I mean, we got to give him that. I thought of him as, like, kind of hot. Yes. He was supposed to be kind of hot. You know described I mean? as a very attractive yeah. like, guy. That At was the whole he thing. Is that he was, he's a hot guy. You know yeah. what I mean? And then, and it, it's kind of like this thing too, where like Hermione has like a little bit of a thing for Sirius. Uh-huh. I, I thought Gary Oldman did great. Mm-hmm. I did. He has that like long hair, like rugged. And he did just escape Azkaban. So, yeah. So there is that. I don't have too many complaints about it. I do, however, feel like people forget how young yes. Lily and James were when they died. Mm-hmm. Lily and James, I think, were like 20. They were 21, I believe. Yeah. I think I did the math. They were like yeah, 21. Yeah, they were 21 when they died, which yeah. makes serious Black 21. Yeah. You add 13 to that. This He's man just in his 30s. is in his early 30s. Yeah. Okay? He's not much older than us right now. Exactly. 
I don't have a problem with the casting. I do, however, wish that they maybe had done something to make him look a little bit younger yeah. when he wasn't in, like, full, like, I just escaped Azkaban. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because, you know what, like, he he doesn't look, because in the, in the books, he's described as, like, you know, like, he looks like a man who's been to Azkaban. Yeah. He's sunken and his skin is pale yeah. and this and that, whatever. He's but frightening. Also, yes. Yeah. But also, you can still see that he that his face used yes. to be a, that he was a he, that he's an attractive person. Yes, that he's an attractive man. Yeah. So Gary Oldman, like no offense to Gary Oldman or anything like that, but yeah, no, not what I pictured, not what I. Yeah. I remember even coming out of the movie being like, why did they pick a an actor who looks so much older? Yes. Than what he's supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, because I know? mean, I don't have any complaints against it. I think Gary Oldman did a great job. I can't imagine Gary. I can't imagine it being anybody other than Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. I really can't. I yeah. I can't cast you know it any different I, in my head. You know who I've heard who I've heard people say that they would have liked to see as serious um, Johnny Depp. That makes sense. It's the same like rugged thing. It's yeah. the same. Yeah, and, like, the, yeah. I could. Like, I get it. And I remember hearing it. and I was like, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I get I it. Kind of like I, I get it. I like the idea yeah. of, of Johnny Depp as serious black. Like I said, I can't not think of Gary Oldman now mm-hmm. in my brain. He he's just. I think he did a great job, yeah. and I can't cast it any different. I just wish that they had paid more attention to ages. Yes. That's just my only thing is that they had paid more attention to the ages. Yeah, because it would have made more sense story wise line. Mm-hmm. Because also like. Diminishing the fact that Her- Lily and James were so young when they died, it takes away from how tragic their death was. Yeah, they they were they were kids, kids. still. They were yeah. kids. They were twenty one. Look back at what you thought you remembered at twenty one. Yeah, I I mean obviously people have children at twenty one. I can't imagine raising a child when I was twenty one. I was too busy trying to figure myself out. Like yeah. it's just and then and then the fact that they were that they not only like got married and had a child and were raising a family they were doing it among like in the middle of a war yes. where they were actively fight like fighting against yes. like they weren't just like oh like bystanders in the war of all every like they were they were in it they were like yes. fighting against evil exactly. and then they got targeted yep. you know they got they got targeted by the dark lord himself yep and like they were they were kids yeah they They're were children babies. they were children little babies that's why it's so sad when when harry and ron and hermione go down the exact same route mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah which is why later on not to you know get ahead but that's why later on mrs weasley has such a problem with harry joining the army yeah because he's like she he's a kid. she knows he's 15 he's 15 she knows what happens to kids who get too involved mm-hmm. and it's like you want to let them at least be kids for a little while yeah. you know what i mean so yeah i just wish that they had done that just a little bit more importance on the ages but at the same time like i said i love gary oldman mm-hmm. i still find gary oldman attractive i'm like hey <laughs> I'm okay with it, mm-hmm. but the ages are off, and I wish that they had paid more attention to it. Same thing goes with Lupin. Like I just wish that they had paid yeah. more attention to, yeah. to the ages. That's yeah. all that I had wished. I would say that Lupin, the only, like Lupin, can get away with it because he's a werewolf, and I know he's that supposed probably, to look. Yeah, and, I don't, and he's supposed to look weary. Yeah, and I'm probably I'm, sh- I'm sure that being a werewolf ages you. A bit, yeah, for you know? real. He's supposed to look like he's been through some shit. Like yeah, because he has. Because he definitely. I mean, has. he's like. Ripping his skin open every month. Yes. Okay, and breaking his bones. Awful. So, Ugh. Oh my god. Jinkies. <laughs> is there anything that we talked, that we did not get to mention that you feel like is a glaring thing that you really think difference book to movie wise that we haven't touched on? Oh man, I'm sure there probably is. And I'm going to remember it like afterwards. So Isn't I'm going to be like, oh yeah. <laughs> Guess <know>? what? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I, and it, cause I, cause I was, like I said, I was reading the audio book, reading the audio book, listening to the yeah. audio book earlier to try and like 
you know, jog my memory about everything because it's been so long since I've actually read the books. It's been like a year and a half, I think. Yeah. Um. So I remember the beginning of the book, I was like, there was something. And I, oh, I'm angry because I can't remember what it was, <laughs> which is very frustrating. Because I was like, oh, mental note. But it was that was at like 10 o'clock this morning. Yeah. Goddamn. <laughs> Listen, pandemic yeah. brain is real. Man. Goddamn. Okay, well, here's the part at the end of the episode where I ask you a very important question. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Shout out to Buckbeak. I will say oh, in the yes. in the movies, in the movies, they did a fantastic job of bringing yes. Buckbeak to life. That was great. I could not have been happier with what he like. He mm, yes, Buckbeak. Another here, here's another thing. Uh, there's the thing the thing about Buckbeak is. He's not the only hippogriff. No, in he's the book. not. No, he's There's not. There's like six others, right? There's mm-hmm. a total of seven. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to see the others. <laughs> I would say that they. I would probably chalk that up to like you know budgeting. I'm yeah. assuming like they like they're they're like look, we can animate a hippogriff. We can yeah. animate six hippogriffs, or we can you yeah. know do a full movie. Because that is another thing is that like this is the year that Hagrid becomes a uh, creature creatures creatures. teacher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is not a good teacher. We love Hagrid. It's yeah, great. He's so dangerous. He is. He's, he just loves animals so much, but he doesn't realize that some of these are well, dangerous, and so you can't give them to kids. Uh, I I wish that they had shown us more of the magical creatures. Yes, but I wish that about all of the movies. Yeah, I want to like, see. I was so disappointed in the fourth movie when they didn't show us like the villa. Yeah, we get to see the whatever. But that's, yeah, that's that's. Not I wish that they had added more of those magical creatures in yes. there. All we got was Buckbeak. That's all we yeah. got was Buckbeak and Norbert. Yeah, and and I get it. Budgeting. Yeah, it takes a lot to animate these animals, but I'm like. I I wanted to see more. I wanted to see more. And Hagrid, as a care of magical creatures teacher, like he just brought all of them. Mm -hmm. I'm like, give me all the animals. Do the thing. I want to see all of them. Um, but you you, and you do get to see them later on in the movie. So at least that there's that. And then we do beautifully have Fantastic Beasts. So at least thank God. We get to we get to live that now. Yeah. Awesome. It's great. Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry, the last thing I was going to say is that when I was, so this movie came out when I was in fifth grade uh-huh. and they like, and that's when they changed Malfoy's hair. I had the fattest crush on him. Oh, oh my gosh. Like fifth grade me was like swooning yes. over Tom Felton in Prisoner of Azkaban. I love Tom Felton. Mm-hmm. I have the, the biggest thing for Tom Felton. Mm-hmm. Forever I've had this thing for Tom Felton. And I'm like, I'm so happy that he aged beautifully. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy I follow him on all of the things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all of the things I follow him. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i just yes. beautiful, wonderful. <laughs> Mwah, chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. You're totally fine. So, <laughs> end of the podcast. What is the book that you have read or are currently reading that you would like to see turned into a movie? Not a TV series, not a limited series, a movie. If it's already a movie... Why do you want it remade? Oh man! So there's so there's definitely a couple, and while and like while I would love to see this book, particular book as a series as well, I would be so happy if they just remade the movie Aragon. Got it. Oh my gosh, that movie <laughs> was so horribly done. It was so bad. Like the, oh, it was so bad. Okay. Okay. Why? Why is it bad? While I look up how to pronounce the the uh the author's name, uh, Christopher Paolini. There you go. Okay. Or Paolini, one of those two. Yeah. Um, I'm like I can't pronounce his name. Pa- <laughs> Paolini. Yes. Yeah. Christopher Paolini. 
Aragon. Yeah. So they did, um, I feel like they, okay, no. First of all, they rushed through the movie. They like, they rushed it. Like they tried to cram, they tried to cram this book, you know, this thick several hundred page book into like an hour long movie or something like that. Okay. They completely changed some of the, like some, like, like the main like villains, like the Razak. Uh Okay. They're like these, like, like, you know, buggy bird like creatures. And in the book, I mean, in the movies, they like made them just like these like mummies with maggots on their face, you know, that was just, Weird. you know, yeah, it yeah. was really just, it was very poorly done. Yeah. The acting was a little, uh, yeah, you know, in some places a little campy. Yep. The best part was at one point they had, like, I, because no matter what, I'm going to love dragons. And I loved Safira in the movies. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, she didn't look the way that she was described. Yes. Or even the way that she's pictured on the front cover of the book. <laughs> there's I'm literally li- a picture literally of the her. Cover of the book. <laughs> yeah, there's literally a picture of her on the book for them to model her after. Yes. They, and they said, mm, yes, we see. We're going to do this instead. Yes. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about is taking artistic liberties. Yeah. You can take artistic liberties on, in, like, projects that are brand new. Yeah. But you have a book. Things have been established. You have a script already. You have a literal script written out for you. Character descriptions, mannerisms, like everything is there for you. Mm-hmm. This is not the time to take artistic liberties. Yeah. It's, it's really just not. not. Yeah. It's not the or time. Or at least be a little bit better about choosing which artistic liberties Exactly. You take, you yes. Know? Absolutely. Like, you don't got to make it your own. It already exists. Yeah. Okay? It already yeah. exists. You don't have the ability to just turn it into something it's not. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Okay. Well, that was Prisoner of Azkaban. Yay. We're going to keep this rolling because we're going to get through all of them. Yeah. We're going to get through all of the... Oh, we're going to get through all of these Harry Potter books because, like I said, once you reach Prisoner of Azkaban... Yeah. Things start to change. Yeah. Oh, really? People start to take a lot of different liberties, which is not okay because this is the snowball. Actions are moving. Yeah. And don't get me wrong... The Harry Potter movies as a whole, I like them. Yeah, they're good. They're absolutely. good movies. But from the perspective of a person who has read the books, yeah, there were some. There, I'm not at all going to say like, oh, they were bad movies. No, blah, blah, whatever. Because they, they were good. They're good movies. I will always watch the movies. Yeah, and love I, them and love them to pieces. There's just things when you've read them so much, when yeah. you've, like, lived your life reading these books, yeah. that you just wish they had not changed. Yeah, you have certain expectations, and absolutely. it's just kind of, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Mm. All right, guys, that was episode four. We will see you guys next time. Yeah, hopefully I, I'll be back. You. Yeah. <laughs> say bye, Jasmine. Let's say bye. Bye. Bye.